Good morning, and it's good to be back with you. And if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Mark's Gospel. We're going to read from Mark uh, chapter 14, from verse 27 through to verse 42. So that's Mark chapter 14, starting to read at verse 27. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, Even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Today, yes, tonight, before the cock crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. They went to a place called Gethsemane, And Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going on a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible the hour might pass from him. Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They didn't know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Shall we pray? Our Father, we just come before you now and we come, those who would desire to understand these things in a way that you will just open our hearts, that we might know more about you and might know more about the price that was paid to secure our salvation. And our Father, we just pray now that you will just move all, remove all that would distract, that we will concentrate our thoughts on your word, on Um, and on what you are saying to us through it, as we do this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this particular section here, um, which is verse 27 through to 42, I've titled it Failure and Success. Let's just read the first few verses, 27 through to 31. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, Even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, Today, yes, tonight, before the cock crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. This quote here in these verses, 
about the shepherd is from uh, Zechariah. It's actually Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 7. And this scripture is being fulfilled in their presence. Now, it's not just Peter who will deny knowing Jesus. Peter never denied who Jesus was, but he denied that he was associated with Jesus. Jesus had said to them, you will all fall away. And they did, as we will see later in this chapter. You see, their very action of running away was saying, I'm, I have got no association with this person. I have nothing to do with him. I'm off. Jesus in this statement also confirms to them that after he has risen, he will meet with them in Galilee. Now, I wonder if the inference of this statement is lost. And it's lost in the preoccupation of the disciples and of Peter in particular, wanting to defend his personal faithfulness to Jesus. To rise means that Jesus would first have to die. And Jesus is again telling them that he must die. And they seem to miss this point. Are they not able to see the wood for the trees? Are they missing the most important thing that is happening here? They've heard Jesus say, this is my body, this is my blood. Now they hear him say, and they've heard him say before, I will soon die, but I will rise again and you will see me. Let us firstly consider this statement. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Now I said that this is a direct quote from Zechariah in chapter 13. This is where it says in this part of the prophecy of Zechariah, it's one that complements the prophecy from Jeremiah chapter 31 that we have been looking at in our midweek study of the book of Hebrews, where we've seen that that speaks of the new covenant. Now listen to what Zechariah says. This is what he says. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for me as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for me as one grieves for a firstborn son. That's a quote from Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 10. And it's just prior to the quote about the shepherd in Zechariah 13 and verse 7. In the words of Jesus, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Again, is the confirmation of the new covenant the one that will replace the old covenant of the temple worship and the priesthood and the high priesthood. Have the disciples also missed the relevance of what Jesus is saying to them through the words of the prophet? Well, let's consider that, but for this morning, let's go back to Mark chapter 14 and look at the phrase, you will all fall away. Now, Jesus in this statement is including all the disciples. But it's Peter who singles himself out 
from the rest of them by making this bold statement. A statement that comes from the mouth of the one who has a reputation for speaking before he thinks. Impetuous Peter. So in verse 29, Peter declared, Even if all fall away, I will not. The response of Jesus to this phrase is that he warns Peter. And he warns him with true and honest words. He's speaking directly to Peter. Verse 30, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, Today, yes, tonight before the cock crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. What's happening here? is Peter lets his pride and his trust in his own abilities get the better of him. Who in one irrational statement both dismisses the words of Jesus and in doing so encourages the other disciples to do the same. We read in verse 30, and this is the attitude of Peter, but Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. I think there's a warning for us here. If we make the mistake of ignoring the words of God and going in our own direction, we are in danger of taking others with us. Mark moves on from this incident, but we will need to keep it in mind because he will show us the consequences of this as his narrative unfolds. But before we leave, let's go back to the question that we asked earlier. Are they not able to see the wood for the trees? Are they missing the most important thing that is happening here? The most important thing that they seem to have missed as they had put the emphasis on their own feelings and in these words are the words they missed but after I have risen. You see Jesus is telling them that he is about to die. Verse 32 to 34. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. I don't think that the disciples would have seen this visit to Gethsemane as being anything out of the ordinary. But this time, it was to be a very different occasion. It was going to be very different from any other previous visit. John, in his accounts, tells us in chapter 18, verse 2, Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. When they get there, Jesus tells eight of his, eight of his disciples to wait while he prayed. 
and he took with him Peter, James and John. Now, these are the three who he had uh, called aside on other occasions. They were the three who were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus chose to take Peter, James and John with him. When they went up the mountain, Jesus was transfigured. And they were able to see that and see something of the glory of who Jesus was. And also, they were the three who were taken into the room along with Jesus and the parents of uh, the daughter of Jairus, and they saw the dead girl, and they saw Jesus raise her from the dead, and they were the three who witnessed that. You see, these three disciples who would eventually become future leaders of the church. If we go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, and this is the meeting with Paul when the church leaders... Um, gathered together with Paul to confirm his ministry to the Gentiles. And this is what we read. James, Peter and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognised the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles. And they too uh, would go to the circumcised. As I said, this was a meeting with the church leaders and those church leaders are Peter, James and John. But let's go back to Mark 14. We read that Jesus is greatly distressed and notice he tells them, that is Peter, James and John, the reason why he is distressed. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That is a strong statement, and they don't seem to grasp the importance of it. Jesus then asks them to do something for him. Stay here and keep watch. Now that doesn't sound like a difficult thing for them to do, especially for Peter, a person who has just told him that he would be willing to die for him. But in verse 35 and 36, going a little further, he, that is Jesus, fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. We feel something of the, the, the anguish and the agony of Jesus in these moments. We can't fully understand it. We know that Jesus was not afraid of death. Death had no hold on him. He would freely enter into death. But he was submitting to the will of God. And he was doing that in the knowledge of the fact that the sins of the world would be put upon himself. And when that happened, he knew that God would turn his face away from him. In his hour of need, he valued the company of those who were near to him. In this case, Peter, James and John. Verse 37 through to verse 38. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. 
The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The disciples had earlier promised that they would be faithful to him till death. But they failed to do the simple thing. That was to watch. And instead of doing that, they fell asleep. Jesus tells them that they need to pray for themselves. They don't realise the danger that they are in. And then he finishes with that statement. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How true those words are. I think we all experience that sometime or other in our Christian lives. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Uh, probably um, you begin to see why I've titled this failure. But it's also titled failure and success. But let's go on. I know that Jesus is speaking to them and that this is also relevant to us. But the more I think about it, is this part of the pain that Jesus feels that adds to his distress that he now has. I don't think that we can begin to imagine the struggle he was having between his humanity and his deity in these critical moments that caused him to sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. But what I do know is that he was like us in every way other than he knew no sin. Philippians 2, verse 6 to 8. This is Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This was part of the struggle that he was dealing with. He was completely human, like us in every way. He was also God. And yet, he committed to the will of his Father. It's a lot to think about there, and I know we can't plumb the depths of it, but I hope these verses will help us just appreciate it a little bit more. Let's go to verse 39 and 40. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They didn't know what to say to him. Jesus returned to continue communion with his father, and on returning to the disciples, he finds them sleeping. And when he wakes them, they're embarrassed. 41 to 42, returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. I don't know what thoughts went through the disciples' minds when they heard those words. But they heard the phrase, the hour has come. 
They would have heard this hour referred to many times by Jesus. We know that as we read through the Gospels. And now the hour that he spoke about, the hour has come. Jesus has been preparing them for this moment. And we're going to see that they're not ready for what is about to happen to them in the next few minutes. They're not prepared for what will happen later this very day. And they will not be prepared for what they will see in three days' time. Why are they not prepared? Well, the first thing we have to say is that it's it's not the lack of the teaching that they've had. That was perfect. It's not the lack of any encouragement. They've had all the encouragement that they need. It's not any lack of the warnings. They've been given all the warnings, even now, up to the last moments. It's the lack of their understanding. It's the weakness of their faith. And it's their resistance to follow God's will. How did the disciples fail Jesus? They tried to do things their way. With that in mind, I just want to finish off these few verses. This is Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. This is what we need to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight our title was failure and success how was it that the disciples eventually did succeed well it was by doing things God's way so let's have a verse from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. We're going to sing a hymn shortly. I just want to share a couple of lines from it. How wonderful it is to see my love for him, so faint and poor. You know, that's why we fail. Because our love is so faint and poor. The verse goes on in this hymn. But yet more wonderful to know his love for me so free and sure. Together with Jesus we succeed. Our success is in him and not in us. It is by the grace of God. Our Father, we thank you for this short time we spent around your word. And we just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will call these things to mind, that we might consider them. Uh, We are familiar with the words, but our Father, help us to take those words to heart and begin to understand the things that on that occasion the disciples missed. And let that be a warning and an encouragement to us as we go forward. In his name we ask it, in the name of Jesus. Amen.